what people don't understand, whether it's laziness or procrastination, is there's a very, very active process going on in your head, which is this protector part of you that's saying, oh, you know, let's wait on that project. You know, let's let's watch another another video. It's okay. And then, you know, when two hours have gone by and somebody says, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been lazy. Well, that is not the case. You've been very active in keeping yourself from doing something that you know you should be doing. The Happy Healthy Human podcast will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place. Welcome back, and this is a special episode because it is officially my 201st episode of the Happy Healthy Human Podcast. And for this episode, I wanted to do something a little bit different and actually bring back one of my all-time favorite episodes. Because I've talked to nearly 100 guests at this point, and I've spoken on dozens and dozens of different topics. But this conversation with Chris Templeton is one that I find myself coming back to the most out of everything. His simple three-step framework that he goes over in this episode is literally life-changing. And I've used it with myself and with clients for several years since we originally recorded this episode. This is one of the most important episodes that I've ever released on this show. And I've gotten a, not a lot of new listeners since it was first released. So whether you're new here and you're hearing this for the first time, or you're an OG and this is just a refresher, please enjoy this episode, Controlling the Stories in Your Head with Chris Templeton. Chris, your website, your company, your books, everything revolves around stories. Oh, the stories we tell is the name of everything that you do. And I want to know, my very first question is, why is understanding stories so important? Well, the, the first thing is that when it comes to stories with my model, the number one reason it's important is stories are I classify stories as anything that's your thinking or visualizing about yourself or about the world around you. And the reason stories are so important is because they're inherently editable. Like I want people to get that their thinking is a story. Sometimes it's a really good story, other times not so much. And when you recognize your thinking as story, then you have the ability to look at it, to pull yourself away from out of your thinking, get a little more objective view, and then to change it into something that really serves you. And I think we are just, um, as uh, uh, human beings, we get stuck in our stories really easily. And so often they don't serve us. And really, so, so many of the stories that we tell ourselves keep us from exactly what we think we want, whether it's to be, you know, have meaning and purpose or to, you know, uh, feel more spiritual. So much of what we do without even recognizing it is this stories that keep us from getting to the places that we want to be including really positive ones. Oh, I just, I'm going to be a positive thinker and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm working to be enlightened and to be happy. And we never seem to get there. And, and this is really about recognizing that so much of what keeps us from the things that we want are these stories. Right. I, I really find this super interesting because this is something that I've dove into very intensely in my own personal life and in my coaching with my clients, because I've learned the power of stories over time. But you said that anything you were thinking or visualizing about the world is a story. So isn't that 
everything? You know, what differentiates what's <laughs> what's a story? To tell anybody about that. <laughs> right. What what's a what's a story then and, and what's a fact? What what's the difference and how do I know? You know, like what did like I'm thinking for someone listening to this right now and just like, okay, well, like you just told me stories are important and they run everything in my life, but like what what actually is it? What's going on in my head? What is the story? I think there are stories that serve us and there are stories that don't serve us. And they can be both laden with fact. As a matter of fact, we're really good at telling stories that are factually based that uh, that don't serve us. And so from my standpoint, what I'm really looking at is, again, going back to stories, anything that you think or, or visualize about yourself or about anybody else. But then the issue becomes, is the story that I'm telling about myself or about my family, my partner, my workmates, is it serving me? And so that becomes a, a, a little more difficult to kind of, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer your question. Uh, the, the issue is, if we look at all of our thinking as simply a story, it gives us a lot of freedom to change it. I think that's awesome because exactly, I think that that's so powerful what you just said, that if everything is just a story, we can change it. Yeah, I feel yeah. that people think about things as facts so much, right? I am unhealthy. I am lazy, right? I am just not athletic. Whatever the thing is, it's like, is that a fact or is that a story that you're telling yourself, and right? And does he, that story, yeah. is it keeping you exactly where you say you don't want to be? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I have a lot of those, those words that, that really kick me off. Like lazy is a big one, right? Yeah. People will say like, Oh, well, I know what, what I have to do and I'm just lazy. And you know, if you met me a few years ago, I might've accepted that as a, as an excuse and going, Oh, well, you know, just stop being lazy, you know, be more motivated, right. be more disciplined or something like that. But it's like, are you lazy? Or is that, is that the story that you've told, you know, uh, Daniel Kahneman in the book, thinking fast and slow, which is like one of the greatest books of all time, talks about, all about how the human brain works. And he talks about, um, you know, these, these tapes that we play in our brain. So it's like when you, when you encounter a specific uh, occasion, a specific thing, then the tape plays and you, based on what your tape says, you go. So if I walk to a corner and I see a green light, the tape in my head plays that, what do I do when, a, when, a, when I see a green light? It's I cross the street. So mm -hmm. click. I click the button, the tape plays and I, and, and I go across the street. So the way I look at stories is like everyone's tape is different. We can all be looking at the same thing, right? We can have, you know, 10 people in a room are going to have 10 different memories of what that, what transpired that night, right? There's yep. that, you know, that old, uh, all the, you know, the old Rashomon or something like that, which is an old Japanese movie of, you know, some guy gets murdered in, in feudal, feudal Japan. And they interview all these different people and they all have tender, they all have different stories about what happened that day. So that's why I see, you know, stories. And I think that this is important to talk about because it's like, if I think that my story is fact, then it can be very restrictive because then it's it's stuck it's it's law it is you know it is the universe already whereas if i understand it's a story you you said it right in the beginning it's editable so you know how, how does someone edit their story well and it's a great point and I'm, how does someone edit their story I'm, i want to come back to that because i want to go back to the question before because i i, I really think i've got a, a good answer for you for me in in, in regards to stories it's more a question of what perspective of your personality is telling the story. So one of the things that I talk a lot about is this whole concept of the ego. We know that we all have it. It's that part of us that's that we call the inner critic, the inner bully. Um, you know, the, the ego is the enemy. And it's that part of us that's willing to say things to us that we would never let anybody else say to us. And, and so I don't prefer to call that the ego. As a matter of fact, I'm really against it. I call it the protector with a capital P from the standpoint of I need to understand that there is a part of me that is very focused on my safety and we don't give it credit for what it's really trying to do, which is to keep us safe. 
And the way that it does those things, and what brought it up for me was your, your little piece about being lazy and how you don't accept that. And I, I'm, you're right on the money. Don't accept it. You know, what people don't understand, whether it's laziness or procrastination, is there's a very, very active process going on in your head, which is this protector part of you that's saying, oh, you know, let's wait on that project. You know, let's let's watch another another video. It's okay. And then, you know, when two hours have gone by and somebody says, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been lazy. Well, that is not the case. You've been very active in keeping yourself from doing something that you know you should be doing. And then we our default story about that is laziness. And that all comes from this protector part of us. And so the thing that's important now going back to your other question to recognize is so much of the way that I think we can edit stories effectively is to first of all recognize what the old story is and where it's coming from. So typically the stories that I want to change are the ones that don't serve me. And so when I'm telling a story like that, the, th the thing that's so fascinating about this protector aspect of us is it's really, really good. It's hardwired at finding things to keep us safe from. It's our old wiring, you know, lions and tigers and bears. But what happens is what the protector part of us is really crappy at is coming up with solutions that make any good sense in the long run. They tend to be very me-oriented. They tend to be uh, focused from a, a, a place of victimization and feeling powerless and that sort of thing. So in terms of editing your stories, one of the things that's so critical is that we don't try to avoid what the protector is doing because what's happening is in reality is the protector is trying to save us from himself. <laughs> oh, you know, you, you know, you really should have done this and that and that, and you're so damn lazy. And if we try and say, okay, well, I'm just going to give it 110% and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make a commitment to do this every single day. That's the protector's crappy solutions. And the pro and the reason that those are crappy solutions is we don't tend to do what the protector thinks we should do. So when we look at editing our stories, the first thing we do is we recognize what the protector aspect of us is trying to keep us safe from. And then what we do is we negotiate it down. We say, you know, we say, look, and really, at some level, I do think it's a conversation with ourselves that we're saying, you know, I understand that you feel like um, it's better for me to watch three videos instead of sit down and, and, you know, do some work or whatever the case may be. But, you know, one of the things from from a, a different perspective of myself and a more authentic perspective is, you know, it'd be nice to have this out of the way. I appreciate where you're coming from. But let's see if we can't find a way to move forward with doing what we say we're avoiding and make it an experience that is meaningful, that is done with, you know, care, that sort of thing. And so in answer to your question of how do I begin to edit my stories, the first thing is recognize the negativity. Not It's not that, you know, well, you've got to confront that. It's more like looking at it lightly and, and talking that piece of us down so that what we're able to do is then have a broader perspective, able to look at, you know, the whole situation in a way that serves me more. Does that make sense? Yeah, 1000%. I think for sure that has to be this, the first step. I always say awareness is the first step to any change yeah. because we can't solve a problem that we don't know exists. Exactly. So that's why I think conversations like this are so important because Otherwise, if you didn't understand, that's why I started with this, this whole conversation with, well, what are stories even and why do they matter? Because if I don't know that this is the thing, how could I even catch myself in the act of doing it? But I want to ask about, so you talked about the protector, right? And we use the example of, of okay, I'm just being lazy, but you said, you know, you, you procrastinated for two hours and that was really your protector protecting you. So my question is, what was my protector protecting me from in that instance, right? That, that instance where I decided to, to, to be lazy and, and, and skip out on doing my work for two hours. And then part two of that question is, if my, my thing is always, is this serving me, isn't 
everything isn't the point of the protector that it is serving me. Like I'm being lazy, quote unquote, for a reason. Does that make well, sense? What I'm asking? I, I think so. And, and so the thing, uh, I, I'll start with your second question. Yes, that's why this is so important. When we recognize that this isn't just the ego that needs to be destroyed or that it's the ego that's the enemy, and we recognize that what it's trying to do is protect us, what it's, what I think in most cases, what it's trying to do work-wise or something that I know I need to do, whether it's clean the kitchen, make the bed, do some work, edit a video, is the protector looks at this is a really great question, Paul. The, the protector looks at what needs to be done. What's the end goal? Well, you know, I've got a, I've got a project and it's going to take me a bunch of time. And so it looks at the end goal and says, man, that is a big hill to climb. Maybe we just don't need to do that right now. Maybe another video would be a, a good idea. And so it's not that it's not that it's, not serving us it's just not serving us effectively and that's why there needs to be this negotiation down it's trying to keep us safe and what it doesn't do what the what the protector is not very good at at doing is looking at what's the process the the protector's very ends oriented like you know i i'll be happy when uh, i can't wait to be enlightened and then everything's going to be you know, unicorn farts and, and wonderful, and I'll never have to experience any adversity ever again. That's kind of the, the protector's perspective and, and why, as I said earlier, that it's so misguided in, in, in the way it thinks from a solution standpoint. So in essence, the protector is serving you in terms of really working to keep you safe, but he can't be the part of you that's solution oriented. So one of the things that I look at is <clears throat> I say, I, we haven't really talked about these, but let's just run them out there. Three questions. And if what you did is you took a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper or a four paper, turned it sideways. So it was in landscape mode or orientation. And on the top left corner, you wrote one question. One is what's the story I'm telling on the left side in the middle down the page second question is is this story serving me in this moment and then the third question down on the bottom left corner is is there a more authentic story i can tell so what happens is the second question is binary it's not how do i feel any of that it's nothing soft it's binary it's a yes or a no so what i do is from question two that's in the middle of the page on the left side, I draw from that question across the page to the right, a horizontal line. And I say that anything that's above that line is what I call little me mode. It's where we're fear-based, it's where the protector is fully engaged. And below that line, I call that authentic me. And so in terms of making the protector as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, as powerful as I can in, a, in an authentic way, I'm about looking at what the protector's saying above the line and then coming up with the solutions below the line authentically. Okay, I know that it's like, yeah, it'd be fun to watch three more videos, but you know, if I bet if I just started and took five minutes and just see what it led to on the next next step of this project, not looking at the end, but what's next in, in this. And I just spent five minutes and see if that turns into 10 or 15 minutes or an hour. That's the authentic thinking. So I can have the, one of the things that I realized not too long ago is that I can really be upset. I had somebody that I pitched um, being a guest on a podcast to, via messenger on um on facebook and i got dressed down you know i didn't ask you to do this with this you know this boilerplate piece and blah 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 i think you've seen it it's it's not not too horrible but man she was mad and you know i knew that as much as i that that really anything where you're judged man the protector is like oh i got this and you're 
and and you're super cranky and you don't and you're frustrated and you don't like being judged that way well all of that is happening i was also able to say i had a podcast coming up shortly after i read this message with somebody else i was like you know what i know that even though my protectors fully lit up because of the way this person responded to me i'm going to get on that podcast in in half an hour and that's all going to melt away and it'll come back and it'll go down but basically i'm going to be in a much better place so can you feel the difference and see the difference between the authentic story and the protectors fear-based victimization powerless story yeah 100 I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because i wanted to my next set of Tell questions my bitch was so bad <laughs> <laughs> no no to dive into your model um and specifically the three questions which you just said which i would which i would love you uh to reiterate and then also about the me's and just a little bit more about you know what so it seemed to me like you said when you draw that line and you've got the that, that, that the second question is this is this serving me right now seems yeah. like the most the most powerful one and then you know you said that some things are above the line and some things are below the line so it seems like that the protector me or you know the the protector mm-hmm. is sometimes is serving me if if it's coming out in the right in the right reason so just i just wanted to know one could you just reiterate the three questions or yeah, absolutely. three questions for every, <clears throat> for everyone listening and then absolutely. could you go a little bit deeper into the different me's and you know yeah. what exactly that is yeah so one of the things that that came up for me um, in developing this, and I've been working on this since 2003 when I read um, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And one of the things that he talks about very early on in the book is how good we are at driving ourselves crazy. And it really resonated with me. I mean, at first it was like, it resonated with me in a really negative way. Like, no, 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 no. That's all, you know, I'm the victim here. I'm, I'm the powerless one here. And, and very quickly you start to recognize that there's what he call, he calls what I call the protector. He calls um, the pain body. And, oh God, it just, you just think of the name and you're like, oh God, I don't want to deal with that. And, and so anyway, it got me going and looking at, you know, and I think stories comes up in his book too a little bit, you know, what's the story you're telling, that sort of thing. So the first question is just, what's the story I'm telling? And I think we've got that covered pretty well. And, and, and really, typically what's going to bring this question up is I'm emotional about something and I'm typically pretty negatively I'm, I, m- my emotion is more likely to be negative than positive. I have a harder time um, being in a place with stories that don't serve me and uh, recognizing them from the positive side, but we can talk about those in a minute. So then the next question was, you know, does this story serve me in this moment? Like right here now, not five minutes ago, not an hour ago, not, a, you know, when I was a kid, right now does my story is it serving me and so one of the things that comes up is that you know whether it's how we were raised the culture that we live in the media there's all kinds of things that create stories that don't serve us i mean you look at where we are politically right now and man oh man are we in little me mode in a big way and so i think i am not sure if i said it but anything above that line if i if i'm thinking stories that aren't serving me i say they go above the line and i call that little me land and the re and and the reason that i use these terms is because i want it to be super relatable i want people to and and most of the time when i say and i can see them on a camera i say you know that that's what we call little me mode this little smile comes on like and it's and you can almost see what they're thinking is, oh yeah, I got that part of me. And and it's universal, right? So when we're in little me land, we're the protectors hard at work, we're fear-based, we feel like we're um, <clears throat> victims, we feel very judgmental either of ourselves because we feel like crap or we're judging other people to feel better about ourselves, which neither one, <laughs> Neither one really serves us. And so if the story, question two, if the story uh, is serving me in the moment, I say that's below the line and that's in authentic me land. And so 
if you think about it, above the line where we're in Little Me Land, there's a much, much greater range of emotion. You know, I mean, you kind of think of uh, somebody who's uh, bipolar. They're either super negative and what's the point of being here or they're super positive and, you know, I can do anything. And it's a really wide range between those two places. Well, as you come down below the line into more uh, into more authenticity, the range of emotion decreases simply because I'm more centered, I'm more grounded. When I'm in, a, in an authentic place, one of the things that fascinates me is above the line, the underlying emotion is fear below the line. And what it turns out to be, in my mind, I read it someplace, um, the opposite of fear is curiosity. Like, think about that. We, when we're in fear, all we're trying to do is protect ourselves and push whatever that perceived issue is away from us. When we're authentic, we're more centered and grounded, and we're more curious about what it is that I'm looking at. Do I have all the whole story? Is there somebody else's perspective that I should dial in? That sort of thing. So, with question two, you're right on the money. It is the one that's super powerful in terms of being very prescriptive. This model is very prescriptive from the standpoint of when I recognize that I am in little me mode and it does not serve me, well, then the question is, is there a story that I can tell that's more authentic? And so that's th that's kind of the dichotomy between uh, little me and authentic me. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that that's so powerful. And this is amazing because it's a, it's a great tool, right? That, that we can use, people can use today. And I, I always love that. I'm going to ask you, I always ask all my guests, I will ask you as well for an action step at the end of the episode. And this is like the ultimate action step. So you're going to have, to, you're going to have your work cut out for you already. But I have a few things right there that just really stood out to me is one, I just want to kind of take it a step back a little and get more, a little more uh, specific and, and granular for, for listeners. So let's, I want to give like an example of this, of how, of how this might look in terms of, I am going through something, I catch myself telling a story, I see that the story maybe isn't serving me, and then I replace it with a more authentic story that I can tell. Can you, can you give maybe an example of that? Um, so let's see. Well, let's, let's go back to the example of pitching this person about being on their podcast. So I, when I do, I've written a really, what I think is a really nice pitch. It's a little bit long, but it really kind of spells out who I am, what I can talk about, why I think there's value, points them to a couple of places. So <clears throat> I feel really good about this model. Like I've been practicing for this for a long time. And I have had really outstanding response. Most of the response that I get to this is the response that you gave me. Like people read that and they're like, oh man, this is cool, right? I get that all the time. Um, and so when I got that response, I mean, first of all, you know, I'm being judged, at least the story is, you know, that I'm being judged based on how the person wrote this response to me and that it was canned and that, you know, I didn't, she didn't ask me to DM her and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where you just really don't feel good. Like that just lights up the protector, totally lights up the protector. And so when you understand that that's what's going on, then you can begin to say, okay, well, this isn't serving me. This is what I, I think the one place where feelings really play into one of two places that feelings really play into this. You know, when I don't feel good, there's typically some narrative going on that I have the ability to change. And the problem is, when you really think about how this works for most people, one of the things that the protector is really good is taking a little problem, you know, what's the saying, turning a molehill into a mountain, something like that. Like the protector is super good at making it stronger and stronger. And, oh, what? Well, why didn't she blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, you can, it just kind of goes off the rails. And so 
being aware that that's what's going on, understanding that it doesn't feel good and rightfully so. I mean, I'm not, nobody's here saying, hey, you should feel good in that situation. You've just been judged. You've been told that what you're presenting is um, canned. And, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to take that and really run with it in little me land. So being able to just recognize that that aspect of you behaves that way automatically begins to calm it down. And so then it's really the question of the rest of the story. The more authentic story is, gee, I think I've pitched this I don't know, 60 or 70 times, and I've probably had 40 responses that have all been really, really positive, like, oh my God, type of responses. It really blows me away. And so I'm able to then step down into my authentic place and go, you know what? I, I understand that that was her perspective. That certainly was not my intention. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that I did is I said, my apologies for offending you. It was not my intention. Like, and, and when you are able to bring yourself below the line, you're also able to kind of have a broader view, not only about how you should move forward. Like I didn't, I couldn't leave it at no response. It just didn't feel good to me. And for me, as much as for her, like I needed to resolve that for myself. And so very simple, I'm very sorry for offending you, something like that. That was enough for me to be able to begin to let it go. Also, the thing that's so important about this model is its universal universality, I think is the word, um, that I can say, oh my God, that woman was in little me mode with me. She didn't really have to be, and but she was, and I get it. Like I get from my own personal experience, with dealing, being, you know, misbehaving and being in little me land, I understand her behavior. And I don't know what it was that set her off, but, you know, I, I'm sorry that that's where she's at. So all of these little steps, and they can happen pretty darn fast, right? I mean, all of that can happen in the matter of a few seconds, um, are all the things that allow us to get to a place that's authentic. I'm curious. I'm open. I'm allowing. I'm not fearful. I'm not a victim. I'm not. And, and so that's kind of a more drawn out example of that. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. I think that's super interesting. That last bit that you just said about that, you can look at exactly how she reacted and see the same exact thing, because clearly there was probably a story going on in her head about so-and-so is sending out mass messages and it's just a copy and paste. And like, this guy is just trying to use my, my podcast or whatever, you know, whatever negative story she had going on in right. her head. And she reacted from that place. And if she would have had uh, this system, you know, this model, she probably could have said, Hmm, is this a real, is this a really happening? Or is this just a story that I'm telling myself? And is that story serving me? So I think that that's, that's actually pretty interesting that you, like, as you said, that this is a, universal thing that, that can go towards everyone. And what really stood out to me as you were just speaking, is just that the thing about stories is that they control us, right? As I said before about that whole, like that your tape plays and you follow what the tape says. And if you have this story in your head and you follow the story, that is control. And we feel out of control, right? Because it's just, well, you know, she said this and now I have to respond like this. But if we can rewrite our stories, that then becomes us taking back control over the narrative, literally and figuratively when we're talking about stories, right? And, and I, to me, I, I feel really that a sense of control is one of the deepest human needs. We hate, hate, hate to be out of control. We hate, yeah. hate, hate when, when, when someone, when someone puts their story on us, right? When she said, Hey, you're, you're, you're doing this. And it's like, you just, you, you're, you're trying to use me. You're trying to do whatever. And you're like, Whoa, that's not what I'm doing. And like, that feels bad to us. And when you have the chance to write that narrative and say, you know, you could do that in two different ways. You could do it with a snapback and be like, well, whatever you, whatever. And like, you could curse her out and do this thing. And yep. that's what you write your narrative. Or you could say, well, you know, clearly she maybe has had a tough day and, and you, you, you're able to write that story. So a big part of that that sense of control and the ability to do that. And even asking yourself these questions though, comes from the ability to slow down and to pause and to give yourself the space, as you said, that this all happens subconsciously. So how do you, how do you get that? <laughs> you know? Well, it, it's funny you should mention that because I want to read my favorite quote on the face of the planet. 
Um, there's a guy by the name of Victor Frankl. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, he lived in the 19, early 1900s, I, I think until the 60s or 70s. And he ended up uh, in a concentration camp in Germany during World War II. He had already become a psychiatrist. And, you know, he saw the most horrific of things in terms of how people treat each other, in terms of people giving up on life and, and literally dying. Uh, and through the whole thing his entire time there, he was able to retain meaning. So what it do, what that's not saying is, just to be clear, it wasn't that he was happy, it wasn't that he didn't feel pain, or that what he was witnessing wasn't awful, because it all, all of that was awful and painful. But he also saw like some of the most amazing grace, like talked about people saving a piece of bread and giving it hungry, hungry people giving a piece of their bread that they've saved to somebody who's on the edge of death. Like the amount of grace that he saw was also astounding in the face of all of this. And so his quote is this, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And, you know, oh my God, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So one of the things that applies to this is like everything that I'm doing in this model and with these questions and that I want to help people to do is to create space between stimulus, one fist, and response, the other fist. And if, I, if I'm living by default and I'm triggered and my stories and then my stories are controlling me, right, because I'm just playing tapes that are just preset tapes and so often they don't serve me well when i can say what's the story i'm telling there's a little space between the stimulus fist and the response fist and then if i go to the question of is this serving me in the moment Ooh, more space and the more space that i have the less likely i am to live by default holy crap that's huge that is so big in terms of the process of creating space so that my stories aren't just running on by default and controlling me like all of a sudden and when i have that space and i'm curious and i'm not and i'm moving myself out of little me land into authentic me land oh my god the world changes like paul think about how much people's worlds change when they stop living by default in little me land. And, and, and just as a, a side note, keep in mind that, you know, most, for most people, it's one or two things that they they go to little me land on. And then if, if the protector really gets a hold, then they kind of, it kind of general generalizes that to the rest of your life. But in general, it's one or two areas that we live by default that don't serve us. Does that answer your question? Yeah, a thousand percent. I love that. I mean, I, everything that you just said, I, first of all, I love Victor Frankl. That book is amazing. Every person on the planet should read it. I, I think Absolutely. Um, definitely one of my favorite quotes of all time. And, you know, I say this all the time. Are you living by, are you living a life by default or a life by decision? Right. This is, this is exactly it. This is the question, right? Or I say, you know, again, that my whole goal with this podcast, with my coaching, with everything I do is to get people to be in the driver's seat of life. People go around in the passenger seat of life. Right. And that is the story dictating their future rather than them dictating the story. And that is going back to where we started this conversation. I believe the, the, the protector, right? The protector doesn't pause. That's really what it is, right? It's, it's like that. Okay. I want to, I want to lose weight, let's say, mm -hmm. but then I smell fresh cookies and if I were to take a minute and pause, I might go, well, you know, my goal is to lose weight. And I probably, you know, if I eat those cookies, it probably is counter to my goal of losing weight. And that's a very logical statement to make, but my protector doesn't pause. And he thinks very instantly. And he goes, you need those cookies because they're calories so and you might die without them and they're yummy and it doesn't matter. Right. So, and you know, the, like it's, it's this, I always, you know, talk about there's a logical and emotional part of us. And logically we usually know the answer. But emotion is much faster than logic. So there's a place where 
our emotional brain, that protector, has already made a decision. And if you were to give yourself time, that pause, that you know, that space that Viktor Frankl was talking about, maybe your 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 big me brain could catch up, you know. But because we don't give ourselves that time, so you know, th that's what I'm wondering is, do you have any like in yourself in your own life any tactical ways to make sure that you're not reacting from protector mode, from little me mode, or ways that you catch yourself doing it, or something like that that you know might help people listening. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a few things. First of all, I think the biggest one is from my standpoint, if I could, if I could get your audience to do one thing, it would be frame your life from here on out as practice. Like just give yourself the space to say, you know what, I'm not where I want to be and that's okay. I know that I'm not going to jump to happiness or into enlightenment in one single fell swoop. So I'm going to practice myself going forward and think about it. Think about, you know, a, an NBA player or an MLB player. Those guys, you listen to every single one of them. You've never heard a solid player say, no, I'm at the top of my game and I, there's no place better for me to go. Every athlete is always talking about whether it's Steph Curry or Buster Posey, you know, on the on the West Coast, um, you know, they all talk about getting better. And so first thing is, please, 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 please frame your life as practice. From here on out, just like a doctor does or an attorney, practice. That's the first thing. Like, what I need to do is lighten up, and that's a great way to start. Second thing, appreciation. One of the things, one of the th places that we get really, really stuck is in a, a lot of enlightenment thinking of gratitude and positive thinking. I, I don't have any problem with gratitude, but I can tell you that appreciation is a whole lot more effective, especially in areas where we're struggling because I can appreciate how I got into this situation. I can appreciate somebody, I can appreciate the woman's stance who wrote me the, the nasty reply, right? And I also, because I have the model in my head, I realize that uh, the last thing that I need to do is respond in kind. So uh, appreciation is another really, really big one of just being able, myself, where I am, how I got here and where I wanna go and what the, the process is gonna be. Um, and for others, you know, when my wife gets mad at me, one of the things that I'm really good about doing is just being quiet and letting her roll. And then at some point she'll, she'll be, you know, all the airs out of the balloon and, <laughs> and she'll get this smile on her face and she'll say something like, I must sound really silly. And she doesn't, but I, she's frustrated about this or that. So there's so many things that you can do, but in terms of, from my standpoint, practice, internalize the model, practice appreciation, um, and, and you know, there's 20 different things. The bottom line is anything that serves you and makes you feel more centered and grounded, keeps you curious, open and allowing, that's what you should do. Yeah, I love that. And I think that I love that uh, juxtaposition of appreciation and gratitude, because as you said, sometimes, you know, you get a nasty message and you're, you're maybe you're not grateful for it, but you can appreciate where they came from. And I think that that's a that's a cool distinction to make. But the last thing I, I want to ask you before we wrap up here, is you actually mentioned curiosity right there. And that brings me back to something you said earlier in the conversation was that the opposite of fear is curiosity and fear lives yeah. above the line in little me land and curiosity yeah. lives below the line. So I just wanted you to maybe expand on that a little bit. Cause I thought that was a really interesting point. And I just wanted to see any final thoughts you had on that. Maybe. Um, I, I guess the thing is when I am in little me land, like I think I've got it all figured out. I think I'm right. I'm proving that I'm right. I think the situation's bad and I'm going to make it worse. And, but it's all about being closed minded. Like I have, my decisions have been made, Paul, and this is the way it is, obviously. And therefore I don't have to explore it any further. So with curiosity, you are, it's a whole different frame of mind. And all it takes is a little practice. 
man, what's the story I'm telling? Why is my son so upset with work? And how can I be the best, the best place for him to practice and, and getting through this. My son works in a very, very high-end restaurant as a host. And um, some of the behavior he sees from entitled people is beyond imagination. And he'll come home and be just really bugged. And and usually we can get him to humor and joke about it. Like not not making him. I mean, that's kind of his the, the way that he does it is, is lightens up, is, is to be fun about it and make fun of it. But when you're curious, you just have, I'm trying to think of a, of a really good word for it. You're just so much more open to life. And, and life can present uh, a lot of adversity, a lot of contrast. And yet when I'm curious, I can look at it, I can look at my role in making it better or worse in terms of how I frame up what's going on. So curiosity and lightness um, all help me to, to create that space between stimulus and response. And then the other thing that you, that you said is, you know, the protector, the protector's not going away. But you know what? When we're curious about what the protector's saying and putting it in balance, the protector doesn't take, the protector ends up taking the megaphone away from its mouth. And so we appreciate it that it's there. It's always going to say things that are trying to keep us safe, as misguided as it is. But when we're curious, we just get to have that space to really look at what's next and what's the process and where do I want to go from here? I, I feel like I'm missing it at some level, but does that answer your question? No, I love that. I love that. First of all, that last bit right there about just taking the, the protector is always going to be there, but just taking the megaphone away from him. So he's not, he's not yelling in your ear the whole time and it gives you a little space to breathe. Right. I think that that's a big, a big, big point because I feel like with a lot of this stuff with this personal development, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, personal growth stuff, people think like, okay, once I get it, then everything will be all right. You know, once I, once I meditate, then I'll be a meditator. Once I, once I get, once I destroy my ego, then I'll be a, yeah. But I don't think it's ever like that. As you said, these, these, these are parts of us. These are the human condition for better or for worse. So rather than fighting it or, or wishing it wasn't, or, or you trying, I say, I call it swimming against the current, yep. you know, you can't, you can't change a fact of life. So I think that 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 point in and of itself is amazing. And another thing you just said about, about curiosity was that you, you, you said, I'm looking for a good word to it for it. And you said openness to life. And I think that's the perfect word. And especially when we're comparing that, when we're saying that curiosity is the opposite of fear, because if curiosity is the opposite of fear and curiosity is an openness to life, that means that fear is being closed off from life. Yep. And that to me is very telling. And, and that is why this is so important because a life of fear is not a life lived. It's a life of staying safe, of staying in the cave, of never exploring outward and experiencing the sunlight that is life. And I think that that is the true tragedy. And that's why I appreciate conversations like this. And I appreciate what you're doing because I think that that is what taking control of your stories can do. So I wanted to say thank you <laughs> for, can, for, can for all that you're doing. One quick little thing that you reminded me of. Of course. You know, when we're above the line in Little Me Land, living the way that you just outlined, we're always asking, what's my purpose? Where's the meaning in my life? And when we are curious and living from an authentic place, we may want to, you know, I'd like a little more meaning in my life or, you know, what can I do to bring more purpose to my life? But when we're in authentic me land, we're living that meaning and we're living that purpose. And so many people are so stuck in little me land and waiting for that great event to happen when I'll finally be whole and all, everything will be perfect. And it's just not going to work that way. And why I struggle with the enlightenment movement so much, you know, positive thinking, no authentic thinking, let's live, let's really live with the messiness and know that it's okay. Cause when we convert that messiness to something that that's authentic, we also get meaning and purpose out of it. 
Yes, I love that. All right, so we're just about ready to wrap up here. I just want to ask you one last question. And I, I told you, I asked this to every guest is to leave the listeners with one action step that they can take right now to start living a healthier, happier life. And I know you've already given about a hundred, you know, using your model, using your system. So this can be related to that, or this can be, have nothing related to anything we've talked about at all. Just one thing that they can do right now, starting as soon as they turn off this episode. You know what? Go and make a commitment that you're going to get out pen and paper or iPad and stylus and write three days a week like you can't get it wrong. Give that protector the full voice that he's entitled to because he really is keeping you, working to keep you safe. And just write like you can't get it wrong. Go check out Julia Cameron's the artist's way where she talks about this really was a game changer for me from the standpoint of going, Oh, you know, I, the thought of journaling was like, uh, I, I don't want to write. I don't want to journal, but writing like I couldn't get it wrong really helped me to begin to uncover some of that default thinking that wasn't serving me. How about that one? I think that that's amazing. And thank you so much for that. So that's it. Um, Chris, thank you so much for being here. This truly was a pleasure. This conversation was above and beyond what I had hoped for. So just the last thing before I let you go, do you have anything that you want to leave the listeners with, or just anything that you have going on? I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you and learn more about you, your model, and all the things that are happening in your universe. Sure. Um, as far as the listeners, one of the things that we haven't talked about is that there's a, a saying, I think it comes from Christianity, this little light of mine. And I, we all have it. The, you know, you know deep down that you have the answers that you're looking for. You may need to go for help to figure some of the things out, but you know enough to go get the help, and you know what you need to know at the core of who you are. And I'm all about getting you closer to that core. As far as me, uh, please check out my website, ohthestorieswetell.com. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'll have links for all that, including the YouTube channel and the show notes for anyone who wants to check out what you're doing. Um, once again, Chris, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people and have a great day. That's all for this week. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat. Support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Stay happy, stay healthy.